Hey, uh, you're about to listen to an episode of Freddie and I talking about Burt Reynolds directed The End from 1978, which you already know that because you're looking at the name of the episode. Um, after recording the episode, we both kind of feel like maybe we can make a recommendation of watching the movie first. Um, we don't ruin anything because this isn't one of those movies that you get ruined necessarily. I just think that it might be a little bit more conversational piece or you, right. might, you might enjoy the episode more by seeing it first. And this is the first time we've ever done this, right? Right. Usually it was just like, you know, we'd say, and then, you know, it's like you've either seen it or you're going to see it or you won't see it. And you've heard us talk about it. But this time I really think that to enjoy the conversation to its fullest, <laughs> it, it, it is required viewing maybe. Yeah. I think so too. It definitely has left us a little bit. Uh, right. Cause it's not, certainly not what I thought we were going to get into when we jumped on to record this after watching it. But you know, that's why we do this. That's why we do this. Wow, man. Who, who knew that we would go this direction with this movie for sure. Right. I anyway, mean, well, enjoy the episode. Enjoy the film and then enjoy the episode. Well, the karate in the garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Woff. We have number two in February. Number two. And uh, as you just pointed out to me, it's Bert's birthday today. Hey, happy birthday. How about that shit? Right? Which is pretty funny considering what this movie is. (laughs) No doubt. Right? (laughs) This was totally unplanned. In fact, just two days ago, we were signing, we were like talking about like which one's going to be our second episode. And you're like, and you said, let's do the end. I'm like, all right, cool. Because usually when we pick two each, we kind of, you know, right. Checkerboard. Kind of, yeah, exactly. But the first two were mine. So blame me. <laughs> no, 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 dude. I mean, like, I, like I said, you know, it, it, it made sense. I felt like I really wanted to see it because I hadn't seen it in such a long time. And right. I know you, you, and it's a movie you've seen a lot. So I thought, fuck, you know, and again, it, we're, we're throwing out the deep cuts on the bird and, yeah. you know, and I, now it's his birthday and we're throwing out, you know, something that was, I, I want to say, I feel like this was kind of a pet project of his. Yeah. I, I feel. Think so. I think so. Yeah. So, Hey man, happy birthday, Bert. Happy birthday, Bert. I hope you guys enjoyed stick. <laughs> right. I mean, we kind of did. I mean, we, I, I mean, we, I enjoyed talking about it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's been fun revisiting these Burt Reynolds movies that we've, you know, grown up so fond of. Um, uh, the end. I've watched this movie so many <laughs> times end. with my dad, like so many times. Uh, by the way, it wasn't lost on me when I was watching this last night, the irony that we chose to do the end, which we had planned on doing, but did it as the second instead of the last episode. Right. Because that's the way we are. <laughs> that's the way. No rule 2021, damn it. That's correct. And, you know, when you see what we got next week, you'll be like, oh, yeah, you guys are like that. <laughs> we are like that. And, you know, guess what? We actually mentioned it in an episode. And if you heard the episode, you know what I'm talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's Bert again in the director's chair, 1978. And uh, right. he's got the amazing Lawrence Gordon, who we've talked about before. Oh, yeah. Many man. times about the yeah. producer on this. If you're listening, listening to our show and you heard our episode with the man, Alan Graff, you already know who is Lawrence, Lawrence Gordon's assistant was. It was none other than Joel Silver. Silver himself. This is, it's crazy how many people are involved in this that you're like, oh, I know those names. I know those names. Yeah, right. Totally. But just like with Stick last week, it's another one of those Burt Reynolds. Uh, you it's know, a direct, mixed bag, if you will. It's a mixed bag of 
things that used to hit that do not hit anymore. This is definitely right. going to be a true better remembered, remembered better movie. Unfortunately, I think it's as recent as a year ago where I felt differently about the movie than I do now. And I think it's just the way things have been going this last year and mocking death in the way that they do isn't very, I don't know. It's not in, man. It's just not hip right now. It's not in. The dark humor does not work here. It really doesn't, does it? Uh, no, you know, it's weird. I hadn't seen this movie, I don't know, since the early 80s probably. And I felt oddly the same. It, You know, it's definitely not, I don't have the same feel for this movie as I did when I was probably 12 or 13, maybe the last time I saw it. You know, 30 years gone by, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> 30 plus years. The thing I noticed the most, and you, it's, I think it's probably what you're getting at, is the tone of the movie yeah. is weird, man. It's kind of all over the place. And then the subject matter is a little bit, um, eh, I don't know. I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't hit. There's if this was live stand-up, there'd be a lot of crickets chirping. <laughs> yeah. Bert's character, Sonny, is super inconsistent. Yeah. You know, we the whole thing opens up. With, by the way, the funniest, one of the funniest parts of the movie is the beginning, is the is, opening, is the opening. And it starts with a black screen where we're just hearing a VO of Bert talking to a, two different nurses. And one of them's, you know, asking him to fill up a cup with urine and the other one is getting it, give him an enema. <laughs> right. All that fun stuff. All this stuff off screen while they're seeing opening credits, you know, single title card stuff. And it sets up, unfortunately, sets up a movie that we don't get. It's super funny, and it leads right into when we see images. Now we're seeing Bert, and he, now this part was again. I don't know about you, but do you feel like maybe since we both have, were reading up and that there was some reluctance by the studio for certain choices that Bert this was is a reshoot? Make, maybe not a reshoot, but maybe they shot this for proof of concept. Something. Because if it's the best scene in the entire movie that Dom DeLuise, as far as storytelling goes, it's not right. the funniest the, scene, but it's the best scene. It's the most, most well-crafted scene in the entire movie. Right. I have a feeling that maybe the, this was proof of concept or maybe it was the first thing they shot. Or maybe you're right. Maybe they did have pickups and they just fixed it. <laughs> because if they yeah. didn't have their opening, they had nothing. Right. I mean, the opening does grab you because I was like, because it's, because you do, you are introduced to the characters over, and you're just hearing voices and you're like, who, that's okay, that's Bert. And then I'm like, it took me a minute. I'm like, who the, who is that other <laughs> voice? And then when it's revealed that it's Norman Fell, I'm like, fuck, of course it is. But his voice is like, you know, at first you're not sure who. So Norman's sitting there and he's a blood specialist and he's the one that's just given Bert the bad news. But all of a sudden he turns into a psychologist. He wants to know how he's feeling. Right. <laughs> like he's writing a dysentery. Dysentery. Right. Right. Dissertation. Dissertation. On dysentery. On dysentery. Um, speaking of poop. Speaking of poo, there's something in your blood fouling it up. <laughs> I mean, he might as well have said it. I mean, you know, I, I, again, it's funny because I was never... It's, it's, you know, that fell is great in the scene, yeah. but this is kind of right where I was starting to not like Bert. Like he was, I don't know, man. There was so that I was like, oh, please, man, don't, he's going to why I mean, look, I don't know what I would be do if someone told me I had a year to live at the most and right. at the least, maybe three months. So I get it. It's like I said, it's, it's totally, it's weird. The, 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 there's black comedy elements and at times it, it kind of has the tone of neighbors. <laughs> Yeah. Right? right. Oddly enough. And then at other times, it's just kind of seems like a free for all. It's like the new zoo review, like everybody's doing their own <laughs> shit. And I'm just like, you know, Bert's out of control and it's an odd movie. 
right from the get go. Yeah. It's the well, well-constructed scene of the movie. And Norman sets up the whole slew of, of cameos or I should say guest stars or however they used to refer to it to kind of, you know, lessen the cost. To- right. <laughs> right. It's like Bert's friend. It's like, you know, it's just, it's like stick. He just, Hey, let's see. Let me make some phone calls. I'm gonna get my buddies. You it's, know, you want to work with who you want to yeah. work with. Right. So it's, it's the love it's the boat one thing you can control. It's, it's a love, it's a little love boatish. I mean, yeah. you get some deep dives here though. Right. You get, we get <sighs> Joanne Woodward. You get, Norm, well, yeah, Norman Fell, Joanne Woodward, Myrna Loy, dude. Like, yeah. holy crap. And Pat O'Brien. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I mean, I know Myrna Lloyd from the Thin Man movies, you mm-hmm. know, which were 40 years or maybe 50 years before this. Right. right? Late 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Like late tw- or, or, early, early 30s, early, early 30s. Mid, early 30s. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, f- yeah. So still 50 years or 40, 40 plus years. The Thin Man series plugged out for like, what, eight years, seven years? Yeah. There's, there's like six or seven God, of them. So, so great, man. If that, yeah. there's, boy, if there's, <laughs> if there's a, a plus to this is the desire to want to watch the Thin Man again, the series. Right. Again, yeah. Totally. And then, you know, you're looking at Kristen McNichol who, you know, at the time was still on family as buddy. Um, yeah. But she, I mean, she looks like a kid because she was. And Carl Reiner shows up and you got all these people showing up, but Sometimes they're just showing up to yell a line of dialogue or two, like Strother Martin right. as the, not warden of the nut house, but uh, <laughs> it's just so weird. Cause I'll, you know, when I see Strother Martin, all I could think of is cool hand Luke and there he is, you know? So it's very bizarre, but it's like Burton, it's Burton. The gang is what it is. Yeah, from a comedian say for me, I mean, again, Strother Martin, obviously we, you know, we can always look at cool hand Luke, but. From from the, from the comedy, I always look at Slapshot being the the general sure. manager of the Chiefs, right? And, he, and but he's intentionally funny in that. This he's just kind of, well, I guess he's kind of playing it the same way. He's just kind of been the straight man around the, the the craziness, no pun intended, right? But he has some has some funny moments in there. But Struther is just, I mean, he's just being himself. You know, he just you know he showed up and Bird just goes, "Hey, just say some bullshit right here," and then walk from the gate to here. I mean, you know, there's right. nothing to it. They probably spend more time on the set bullshit than they did in front of the camera. I would think seems that way. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting setup for sure, but this, this movie is chock full of those cameos and you know, not most of them, but a lot of them because during the opening credits, before you see anything, you're seeing their names come up, but you don't know how, you don't know how they're related to this, to the story at all. Right. Well, every time I see Joanne Wilbur's name come up, I always forget that she's in the movie. And, I, and it's funny to say that because she's she the ex wife or the right. estranged wife. They're not, they're not officially, they're still, they're married, right? They're just estranged. I think so. I think they're yeah. just separated, right? Yeah. Because he's, because he's kind of, a, you know, a philanderer. Unquestionable. She kicked, she, she kicked him out because he had a couple of hookers over for yeah. one lunch. time. <laughs> One time with some hookers. Come on. That's the most Burt m- moment in the whole movie, by the way. Yes. Yeah. And then the moment where he, where he's trying, you know, there, there's some funny shit in this movie. Yeah. I mean, you, dude, yeah. Where, where he takes that, where he, where he goes to visit his parents, mm. you know, to procure some pills. <laughs> Cause who, who other than old people would have, you know, 50 different kind of tranquilizers. Right. Of course. Right. And, and, and of course it's awesome that the wife is the one that says, why don't you go see your parents? They're hypochondriacs. <laughs> No, they're not. He goes, and he goes, well, they could have some downers. <laughs> right. Well, they might have some downers. Yeah, totally. It doesn't become unfunny until after he visits his parents. When he goes to see Pat O'Brien and Myrna Lloyd, that's after that, it's just, 
That has become right. super unfunny at that point. Maybe it's just a mental thing for me anyway. I don't know about you, because now he's got the things that he's going to take to end his life. Right. Well, there was, you know, it's weird. There's that whole weird scene with Robbie Benson, like as the priest. Yeah. Right. When he goes to confession and it starts, it's because it, right, that, that scene is painfully not funny for me. It's almost like Robbie Benson is kind of like a stoner young priest. I don't know exactly what's going on there. You know, and I'm like, ah, but then it bounces back quickly and we get the scene with Joanna Woodward, which is kind of funny when she kicks him in the ass. And, uh, and then the parent, the scene with, uh, Myrna and Pat O'Brien is great. And then the movie kind of, I feel like the further we go down the road, the more annoying Sonny becomes. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And less likable. And and dude, he's, he is not a dude you give a shit about. Right. He's definitely a user. I think this movie's longer if go by Jerry Belson and the kind of other things that he's written, the way he writes Sonny, the kind of person he, he turns him into made me think the script was probably longer. He probably had more people to visit in any, but you can't make a movie that long. Cause as it no. is, this thing's a hundred minutes. minutes. Yeah. It's plenty long enough. Yeah. I found at moments it was longer. It wasn't like stick where you're waiting for that big, the big dar gag at, off the balcony. It was just, I don't know. Like you said, man, Sonny is not likable and you don't care if he dies. It's what's disappointing about it. It, it, And what's weird is how did my, how did my taste shift that much in four months, five months? Because I just watched it and I didn't feel this way about it. And I think maybe just, I don't have to bring it down, but you know, I had loss recently and that's probably why my dad's sister. So it's like, (laughs) to me, it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, my dad can't watch this. There's no fucking way my dad can watch this now. There's no way. No way, even though we took had so much joy in watching it. I just know that I'd be sitting on the couch with him and we'd both be in tears. <laughs> because we both, and we'd probably just turn it off. You don't see him take all the pills <laughs> that he takes from his parents. You no. just see that he sees all their, one of my favorite shots of the movie is, the, you know, the reverse through the medicine cabinet. And it's just this right wall of bottles. bottles. That that whole there, like again, this movie is kind of at odds with itself. It it it's dark comedy, some similar to Neighbors, and then it gets slapsticky. And there are points where him and Deloise, their relationships comes very JJ and Captain Chaos from yeah. Cannonball Run. Yeah, you know, and I'm like. This is, and this is the setup for that, that whole thing. Of course. Thing. Yeah. Like that Marlon, like Mar, that Marlon, we, now we know where Marlon, now we know where Captain Chaos came from. He's Marlon from the end. Right. By the way, you, you made a point earlier, Mike, is he really dead? And I, I can't remember we said this on, you said this on Mike or not. No, I think I said it before. But yeah. Uh, you, you made a suggestion when we were chatting that, that was he, was Sonny dead? And a lot of ways... I don't know if he was still alive. I think maybe after he took the pills, he did die. And this is just right. his purgatory. Mo- or- totally. That's kind of what I was like. I was kind of like, God, oh, is this movie deeper than I remember it being? And, you know, yeah. it's like, and I was like, well, he could be dead because he wakes up in the bed, right? And then- That sound you know, effect guy, the bird, dude, the bird dude. Holy shit, oh, dude. Yeah. Every time that guy's right. around, I fucking die. It's so funny. Yeah, totally. He's great. He wakes up and Marlon's there with a suit coat on and then, you know- did you notice that Reynolds he wakes up and he's wearing a brand new pair of Nikes 
in the bed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like heaven can wait. Yes, exactly. Right? That's what made me think he was dead was the shoes. Fuck man. You know like, what? Maybe this fucking movie's a lot. Had, Holy shit. Maybe, that's what I'm talking, talking maybe about. It could be a lot deeper than. It's just know, not funny. It, <laughs> it's just not funny. Right. It's just the, the, the tone is off. It's like, it's just wildly uneven as far as, uh, what does it want to be? Does it want to be dark comedy or does it want to get slapsticky? Cause it, it does both and it doesn't do both. It, you know, your, your toe is dipped in the water. You gotta, you're all the way in or you're all the way out. I, but Hey man, it made $45 million. So somebody liked it. It is a weird movie, but I, I, I think that he is, I think that he may have been dead and the shoes are like, are the giveaway. Fuck me, dude. Yeah. And especially with heaven can wait. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, damn uh, dude. Could be, man. You know. I'm glad we didn't talk about this before I hit record because this is, wow. We, I mean, truly, I, I had, I didn't even think about that till just now. Wow. Yeah. You know what? Well, let's just go with the idea that he is dead, right? Because it the rest the, of the movie makes a lot more sense then, right? Because it's like, not funny anymore, except for Dom scenes. Almost like here's welcome to heaven, and here I am. <laughs> I'm your, you know, I, I'm going to show you around. Well, Dom is kind of like Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life, yes. sort of, you yeah. know, he's, you know, and he's showing him, you know, and there's that whole bit where he, where he says, maybe I don't really want to die. And it, that made me think that he is in purgatory and, and all of the stuff that we're seeing is him from the time he took the pills to the end of the movie where he, where he's underwater and he's hearing the voices, like, and you're looking up and, and it's all, you know, I felt like that is him looking back toward the light in uh coma vision or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause he's hearing Chris, like maybe there are people in the hospital and they're, and then he wakes up in the, you know, in the ocean. Well, that's an idea. I I'm kind of along in the same lines. Maybe he's just, you know, maybe he's just about to cross over and he's hearing them at the funeral. Right. Yeah. It's, it's it'd be a couple different things. And then let's just take it one step further with that. You know, what about him coming out of the water like that you know right. reborn yes maybe he's maybe he's been in coma the whole time yes exactly and he, and he comes out of it get me out of this lord and i'm gonna do all this stuff and the closer he gets to the to coming out of the coma he starts changing and negotiating again <laughs> with god about what he's gonna do with his life if he spares him right Yes, like where he has that, you know, where he has the moment where he confesses to Marlon that he does, maybe he doesn't really want to die, and just yeah. you know, and that and that would kind of explain maybe the ending, the weird ending on the beach. I, I don't know. I mean, I, it, it was just a thought that never crossed my mind before. But when I was watching it this time, I was definitely like, wow, it is weird, you know. And then people show up, like the male nurse with the straight jacket who throws Dom. You know what I mean? It's just. You know, maybe Dom is a, is a, is a Clarence type. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, it, it makes the movie more interesting. <laughs> if, right. The, having the two dudes come in there with a straight jacket and grab him, it's just kind of like, Hey, you know what? You know, the rules, you're not supposed to let people right. know what's going on. What yeah. are you telling him? What do you mean? You, yes. You escaped again, Clarence. Oh, I dude, mean, fuck, I maybe, know. maybe there's another movie that we want to write with this. <laughs> right. Totally. Maybe we should like, just scrap the episode. <laughs> maybe just scrap the episode and fix this thing. Like I said, it's a, it's a bizarre movie uh, that, you know, I probably, when I was a kid, it was just funny to me. It was funny watching Dom Delaware, you know, but that's why I took it as face value. So this time around, it's weird because, you know, you're not supposed to like Bert and you're not, 
but that's the, but maybe that's the point. You're not because he's not a per- good, but through the course of what's going on, you know, you, he learns a lesson and uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a very strange movie. You know, it, again, hats off to Bert for, you know, he could have just, you know, did another smoking the bandit or another hoop, you know, he was doing those, those yeah. genre, those safe, but you know, he went on a limb and while this movie is kind of uneven and stuff, I don't find it, I find it interesting and intriguing on different levels. <laughs> yeah. But, now, now, now it takes, now I have a whole different view of the movie. Yeah. After just talking about it. What's funny too, is like, again, through doing some research, Marlon was actually supposed to kill Sonny at right. the end. Yes. Well, shit, that takes away the whole purgatory thing. But then makes it, then it makes straight a straight ahead movie. But then Bert was quoted as saying he changed it because he he thought the movie should have some hope, and right. And I'm like, going, but people don't like you. People don't like Sunny Bird. Do you know, <laughs> you're, you're a shitty character. Um, but you made a great point about you know he could have done another Smoky movie. Maybe that's why he fought with the studio while keeping the beard because just the year before with with Smoky he. Had, the mustache was the standout, right. the mustache and the hat. This is, you know, after Smokey, seeing him without a hat the entire time and having sure. a beard at the same time was, made the movie f- feel further apart than just the yes. year before. Right. And Smokey and the Bandit, for a year where Star Wars came out and just kicked the shit out of stuff, including the amazing sorcerer, Right. <laughs> How did this movie, how did, you know, Smokey and the Bandit become the hit that it was when it felt like this is all before multiplexes, right? The most you ever see in them at your local theater walk-in was maybe three three screens. Yeah. Three screens. I saw Smokey and the Bandit at a drive-in when I was a kid with my parents. Mm -hmm. It was a drive-in movie, but you know. And the closest multi-screen theater you could go to was a drive-in, the Winneka drive-in, which is now a walk-in theater. They had, I think, eight screens. Yeah, I was gonna say six or eight, right? Yeah, but that should, this was super rare in '77, man. In my Larwin Twin Theater in Simi Valley, it was Star Wars and Saturday Night Fever. That's what it was for like a year straight. <laughs> Nothing else came along because nobody said nobody could put anything out there. I mean, I saw the. I used to crack up when I'd go to the movies and see Star Wars. Like I've said numerous times, I would go there almost every day and watch the movie. But they would have movie posters up of the coming soon movies. I'm like, why do you put these up? I'm eight years old and I know better. You guys don't change out any of these other movies. Now that's not true. Right. They did midnight movies on Fridays and Saturdays, but that was the only time they did anything. And they do Rocky horror and they would do <laughs> Fritz the cat. <laughs> right. But Sorry, fried movie. Yeah. But back then, man, you didn't for a movie like Smokey to be the hit that it was, you had to find a, a, a movie theater that'll take it. And then enough to where you know, people come and see it because everyone wanted to see Star Wars. But that's kind of what happened. Everybody spilled over to see Smokey and the Bandit because you could take your kids to see it. I'm using finger quotes there, kids to see it because it was kid-friendly. It wasn't. It just wasn't rated R Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> so you could right. take your kids to see it. A year later, for him to make such an adult comedy really says a lot about where he felt his career should be going. You know what? Maybe this was the beginning of the end. You know what I could mean? Could be. Because two yeah. years later, he went back and did Smokey too. I felt like maybe, because well, what did he do in 79? Starting over was the next year. Right. Yes, this is the start of Bert as a kind of romantic, because you know what's funny is this, his character, Sonny, in this, 
I don't know why, and it's probably because I haven't seen it in a while, but I was mixing it up with The Man Who Loved Women. Like, the, you know, yeah, the, the character is very similar. Yeah. He, he meets women by crashing into their cars. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it seems like something Sonny would do. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, I, it's just. Well, this was at a time when he was doing, Burt was just banging movies out. He was, I mean, it was unusual to him to have three movies out in a year. Yeah. Totally. This, I mean, for him to do the end and Hooper in the same year, that was his consistent pattern of doing two movies, right? Like before that, the year before that was Smoking the Bandit and Semi Tough, the end and Hooper this year. 79 was the one lone movie he did was starting over. And then he went right back at it. Rough Cut, Smoky Rough Cut was 80, right? 80. And then 81, he did the first Cannonball Run, Paternity and Sharky's Machine, all three of which we mentioned last week during Stick. Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, Best Friends in 82. We mentioned both those movies. <laughs> right. And then 83, since we, well, we'll stop there. Stroker Ace, Smoking the Bandit 3. And that's just a cameo. He's just in it for a moment where the sheriff thinks that, uh, looks at, looks at Jerry Reed and thinks that he's really the smoke. He's really, he's really Bert. The weird. Right. As if it was a good movie. It wasn't. Even for a fan, Smokey is Smokey is the bandit. Smokey Sorry, is Jerry the bandit. Reading Cullen right. Camp, right? And the man who loved women was also in '83. Yeah, because like, that was the beginning of the end, dude. Because in '84, Cannonball Two, City Cannonball Heat, Cannonball Two, City Stick Heat in '85, <laughs> Stick, and then you know on to things like uh, Heat and Rent a Cop and Malone. et cetera, et cetera. And then our movie that we have next week. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Maybe the end is the end of Bert. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. I don't know, man. I'm, 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 I'm kind of lost my place in this episode because ever after you said him being, if he's really dead or not, I'm really thinking he is dead or at least in a coma. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he has to be right. I mean, shoot, I mean, I know I'm going to beat this drum until I'm sore, but the shoe thing, I instantly thought of heaven can wait. Fuck, why is that, dude? They're dressed so similarly, too. That's what's weird. Yes, very similar. The white outfit with the blue, sh you know, the Nikes. And then when when he goes and Sally, you know, and he's always in a pair of sweats, right? He's in the red ones. And then Sally Field, when he goes to see her the last time, she puts him in another tracksuit. It's very bizarre, man. After that first moment, like everything after the suicide, he's in comfortable clothes with the same pair of shoes on all the time. The Heaven, Nike, those blue Nikes. Heaven Can Wait came out five weeks after this. Right. 78, right? Yeah. This came out in May. Wow. Uh, Heaven Can Wait came out the end of June. Yeah. You know, it makes sense. Oh man. Yeah. This would, these two would have been an interesting, I never made the connection. Of course I haven't seen, I haven't seen heaven can wait in a very long time. The one sheet for the end, it's got a tagline. I said, after all, what are friends for? And it's a quote. It's a line that I don't think is used in the movie. I think it's cut. Maybe it was in the movie at one time. Maybe when they were, when they, they said, Hey, put this on the poster. Right. It's so fucked up, man. It's it's Dom and and Bert. Bert's got a noose around his neck and and Dom is jumping in the air while he's holding the rope and they're both smiling. Well, he's not smiling. Dom's smiling at the camera or to the audience and looking at the poster. It's weird. Like you talked about, it's a it's a dark comedy that maybe it, I mean we not maybe it's not funny in the way that they've well, at least in seventy eight, well shit, a year ago I found it a lot funnier than I found it today. 
or last night. I can't wrap my head around the fact that he's in a coma. Right? It's tough. It's hard it's, to figure it out. Yeah. He's... Now, now think about this too. Let's go, let's go one step further with that idea. He's negotiating with God as he's swimming into shore. Right. Right? Almost like he has this will to live all of a sudden. I want to live. I'm coming out of this. Maybe again, maybe not purgatory, but maybe he's um, you know, mental purgatory while he's in his coma. And as he's getting closer to shore, I mentioned this already, he's changing his the the dynamics of of what he promised God in this case, that right. he's gonna change and do this. And what happens when he finally gets to shore and he tells Marlon, I don't want to die, but he's already negotiated back down to being the piece of shit that he was to begin with, where he's not doing anything that he said he was going to do if his life was spared. And what happens? Out comes the knife and Marlon chases him down the beach. Right. It was just, it's kind of like God's way of saying, oh, oh you piece of shit. All right, then I'm just going to murder you. <laughs> well, right. Well, you know, I mean, I was reading, you know, did we just talked about it? Like, you know, he was supposed to kill him at the end. Right. But I guess... Yeah, that end, you see, it's weird because the end, at, now that you say that, I kind of thought, God, this, it just turned so Benny Hill right at the end. Right. Uh, but maybe, you know, maybe maybe that's what it is. You know, he got back to shore and then he's like, oh, yeah. God's like, okay, we'll take this. And then, you know, Marlon chases him away and we, we go into credits. Right. And then that's it. Maybe he never, maybe he is in purgatory the whole time. I mean, that's what happens to you. Maybe you're in purgatory while you're in a coma. Yeah, I mean, let's just go with that for a moment. Yeah, let's just say that's what this is. And that's what happens. And then God goes, right, well, you're not coming out of this and the rest of your life or your rest of your being, your your consciousness is going to be being chased around by Marlon till, till the end of time. <laughs> right, that's what you get. Yeah. That's why he's got those running shoes on, those right. Nikes. Damn, this is a deep movie. It is. Wow. Right, who knew? I mean, yeah, I mean, if you would have asked me an hour ago, but, you know, now that we're talking about it, I'm like, yeah, these are just all these things I noticed this time that I didn't notice. Like when I was a kid, like I said, when I was a kid, it was funny to me because Dom DeLuise and Burt Reynolds were funny. And I knew him from Cannibal Run and from right. Smoking the Bandit 2, because Dom is in Smoking the Bandit 2. Yeah. He's, 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 the, he's the elephant right? doctor. Yeah, he's the doctor. He's yeah. the vet. Charlotte's vet. It's interesting, uh, you know, when you look at this along the lines of, you know, that, you know, like heaven can wait. And the fact that the, both those movies came out so close to one another right. in 1978, that's probably more what they were shooting for. It just, I don't, again, it's the tone. It's just uneven, man. Like I, lots of it doesn't work, but you know, if I look at it in this way, then it does work because maybe we're seeing what Bert, you know, this is how Bert sees everybody, right? Like, Everybody is annoying because he is a he's not a good person. Right. Maybe maybe that's not really how everybody else is, you know. And that's just the way he's seeing it, you know. Like in It's a Wonderful Life, yeah. And a lot of and maybe that's maybe there's more to this movie. Maybe there maybe this is very much a, It's a Wonderful Life and in ish ish right right. The difference is is that you know he's he's an awful human being and. George Bailey was George not. George Bailey was not. He was the opposite. Salt of the earth. Yeah, yeah, totally. Wow. Yeah. Again, it's, you know, it's one of those things because we chose to revisit some Burt things that we hadn't seen 50 times and that other people probably haven't seen. I'd say I'll be hard pressed if more than 10 people who listen to us have seen this movie. <laughs> I have seen this movie 50 times. 
at least I feel like it, uh, it's, it's amazing to, to be able to be swayed by a movie. And I'm usually somebody that kind of like sits there and kind of gets is a little more. I, I think about things a lot more than they expect you to think about them. Maybe my nostalgia for watching this movie with my dad is the reason why I never saw this until recently. I never saw that part of maybe it's fucking him. Maybe it's unintentional, but you and I are both on board with the idea that <laughs> this is not, it's not right. straight ahead as it seemed or as I have been treating it for the last 40 years. Right. Man. Yeah. And maybe that's what attracted Bert to it, you know, and that's what Bert, and that's why the studio was, you know, because I want to say that probably movies where you're killed, you know, it's probably this, not unlike the same kind of shit that Beatty had to go through making Heaven Can Wait. You know, he went through a lot with that. Right. You're a handsome leading man. Why do you want to play a movie where you're dead? What do you mean we were going to kill Warren Beatty? You know, Warren right. Beatty's character is basically dead the whole movie. Right. I mean, not that you don't see his face and he's not in the movie, but, you know, I'm sure that was a tough pitch. Well, what we're going to do is where he dies, you know, page 20. <laughs> And just like Bert, like, you know, maybe there was an earlier draft where it, it was clearer that Sonny is dead, but like the studio execs were already balking and even making this project. So like right. to say, Hey, he's dead. Right. It, 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 and they're like, heck, come on, kid. Nobody wants a fucking think piece from you. <laughs> right. And, but at the same time, a more deft hand. Yes. We probably would have felt this from, from the first time we watched it. Right. Yeah. Interesting. I, yeah, because Bert was definitely like we talked about last week. At this point in time, Bert was like he was the biggest movie star in the world. That's why right. he can make a movie about killing himself and makes forty five million dollars in the middle of Star Wars and Close and Encounters. Close and, Encounters and, and everybody's right. new of uh, affinity for this new style of quote unquote sci fi. Right, Jaws two, <laughs> Jaws two. Oh, see. And that's the thing too. Look at Jaws 2. Jaws 2, you can look at Jaws 2 and go, yeah, man, that's a slasher movie in, on the water. Yeah, you know absolutely. what it is. I, you could, how can I interpret that from, you know, from when I was in my early teens, but not get this again. Right. Nostalgia. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, it's funny. It's like, I guess that's why sometimes you look back at movies and sometimes you're like, oh, this is the movie I remember. But then, you know, like, we said, this is not the movie I remember watching, but it, you know, is it a better movie? Maybe, maybe, you know, now that I look at it and I, I'm seeing, I have these questions and things, uh, maybe it's, maybe it is a better movie for that reason, you know? So, I mean, that, that, you know, like, so like for the better remembered part of it, I'm going to go with, it's not the movie I remembered at all. Yeah. Better or worse. It's a different movie than I remember seeing. Before. Yeah. It's not, I don't think it, yeah, it doesn't apply to either one of our choices for the no, show. Not at all. It's, it's, we've got we'll a new asterisk, choice. An asterisk category. <laughs> wow. Holy shit, dude. Right? Now I wish the Writers Guild library was open because I want to go down there and pull the script and look at it. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would be interested in reading what the, uh, what the original script is. It's, it's interesting. I'm sure you can find, I bet you could do some poking around and find it online. Yeah, maybe. I am going to poke around for this because, you know, for a, a script that was written in 71, they didn't get around to you know, going to production until 77. 
It's probably right. around somewhere. I feel, you know, what's weird. Like now that you said 71 again, and it, and it didn't really hit me until the last time you said it. But now you're like, man, this could have been, you know, very much like, uh, what's the, uh, what's the Jacob's ladder, <laughs> right? Right. Like, you know, this is post Vietnam. Yeah. And Sonny, maybe, uh, who knows what the original concept was. But again, I totally think we're on to something. I think that he is dead. And I, and I don't think he comes back to life. I think he's, you know, he's, he's the guy who's realized too late that he didn't want to die. And he makes all those false promises. And then, you know, the end is exactly what you say. It's like, they're just running up and down that beach. Marlon's chasing him forever with a knife. Cause that's just way, the way it is. Uh, you know, it's weird. It, it just, just some non, uh, just, just some observations. Joanne Woodward, who is six years older than Bert, <laughs> looks, le- it's funny because when she first showed up, I was like, wait, is that his mother? And I'm like, no, it can't be. Myrna Loy has to be his mother. Yeah. And then the fact that young Sally Field and young Christy McNichol look like they could be sisters is also weird. Yeah. Or like, you know, she, Sally Field could have played Christy McNichol's mom possibly at some yeah. point in another movie. But these are just like weird things. That I was like looking and thinking about like, which all sort of lead me to the fact that everything it's he's seeing and that we're seeing he's dead. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. so who are these people really that we're seeing? They're, they're his take on his parents, on his doctors, you know, I mean, again, right. so it, it totally works with that. Dude, I, I think maybe we are onto something. I may have to watch this movie again before it disappears. Cause I did rent, I did rent it digitally. There's a couple of quotes here from reviews of the time at the time, New York times critic, um, Vincent Canby. Vincent Canby. Yeah. Gave it a negative review and says, and he blames it all on Bert seeing this half hardly satiric material that's been directed by Mr. Reynolds as if it were broad knockout comedy sometimes. And in other times, as if it were meant to evoke pathos, which it never does. So here we are talking about exactly that. You're talking about, we talk about being a slapsticky thing, but maybe it's more thought provoking than it's under other direction. You would see that and feel that. Right. Same thing of not same thing, but along those same lines, Art Murphy of Variety said, it's a tasteless and overripe comedy that disintegrates very into hysteric, undisciplined hamming. Not, not wrong. <laughs> not wrong. But here's where it's wrong. It says that Dom DeLuise is absolutely dreadful. That's the quote. Wow. This is true. Sally Field phoning in a kooky, pretty role. Yep. And uh, I don't know how I feel about this. And Joanne will were quote unquote, poorly utilized. I'd say yes to that. Like the, the, her two scene, the, the first scene we meet her when she, but again, depending on what Reynolds POV, whether he, if he's dead at this point. Right. So, but yes, a very uneven film is what, you know, uneven is what I would use, yeah. but not, but not bad. Right. And again, it's Bert stepping outside of like the, Hey, like, dude, just, you know, just be the bandit, man. What's working. <laughs> just be the bandit. Be the bandit. In a lot of ways too. I, I Maybe maybe he was done. We talked about, we jokingly referred to this movie as being the end of the Burt Reynolds, the movie star kind of thing, right? Right. I mean, Bandit too made a fuck ton of money. So it's not like that, but maybe he was done being that guy. Maybe it was as much Burt reflecting on his movie career too. Sure. 
So you never know, man. I mean, you know, who knows what was going through his mind at the time? He's 42 when they made this movie yeah. or when it came out. So he's probably 41 when they shot it. Some, and I'm going to say this right now, I'm looking at this. There's a still on IMDb of the end of Bert sitting with Myrna Loy and Pat O'Brien. Dude, I wanted, this is the 80s sitcom I didn't get. It looks so Golden Girls-ish. <laughs> Can you imagine if you took these three, those two as his parents and him and just turned that this still into a sitcom, dude, I would have totally been into this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm looking at it now. Doesn't this just look like, like, the, like this, this looks so Miami in such a like 80s sitcom shot, like. The three of them would have been a fantastic sitcom is what I'm going to go. It's what I'm getting at. Yeah, it totally looks like Golden Girls did really. Right. And, and it's at an angle too, because you never see this angle. The camera is never, it's, it's always on Pat's right. Right. Just that shot's not in the movie. Yeah. It almost looks like they're just kind of rehearsing. Yes. Like he's having a talk with his actors. He's got a, res a respectful posture that he has for the two of them. Like he's just kind of like being a kid with these fucking legends that he's sitting with playing his parents i could have done a whole like season of the three of them together absolutely even if it was just one season i'd have been totally happy but you're right it. dude i wonder if golden girls was was somebody saw this and did <laughs> and said hey man right. you know it'd be really good <laughs> i mean so many things about it couple this you know bert's love of you know being born and raised in florida and going back there to do evening shade yeah. And then Cole school. I mean, it's not, it's not much of a stretch to say uh, you have a whole bunch of retirees living, <laughs> right. living in Florida. It's really not a, a stretch to, to uh, sell it to people because that's what Florida is for. Because that's what it is. Lawrence Gordon's not a, he's a good producer, man. He does, he knows what's going on. So I almost feel like maybe he, maybe he knew that there was something more going on here and he just let Bert do his thing. Right. He was just happy to get that movie going. <laughs> yeah, man. But, you know, again. Wow. Something that, uh, you know, that, that's, that's, maybe that's, that's why you revisit movies, man. This movie is existential, man. <laughs> uh, you know, I never thought I'd be saying that about, you know, Burt Reynolds' Dom DeLuise film. No. Or, you know, especially after, you know, where Burt ends up going shortly after into, into Stroke Race Land and uh, things like that. But. Uh, yeah, man. Strange movie. Strange movie. Lot, lots to think about. Yeah. All right. Oh. Well, I'm going to be sure to put a whole bunch of books, links to books about existentialism and, and, and man's purpose. on <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. So hey, if you want to follow me on Letterboxd, I'm at Corey underscore Culp. Or if you enjoyed what you heard today and you want to support the show on Patreon, thank you, Patreon supporters. That's patreon.com slash KITG podcast. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Letterboxd at Tom Cody at Letterboxd or uh, Sharky's Machine at Letterboxd under Tom Cody, something like that. How'd I get here? I can't get over it. Sonny Lawson. <laughs> what? How'd I get here? Oh, uh, they transferred you here last night from the hospital. You tried to kill yourself. Unsuccessfully, needless to add. Oh, shit. Then why did you say it, dummy? What? Oh. I'm writing a book on insanity. 
You should always write about something you know. You know? I'm calling it Fruitcakes I Have Known. There's two whole chapters, by the way, on suicide that would interest you. Did you know, for instance, that 50% of all f f female suicides have bleached hair and a hysterectomy scar? <laughs> you blue? Are you depressed? Yeah. I thought I'd wake up dead. They had no right to stop me like that. Ah, technically they did. They did have a right. It's against the law, you know, to kill yourself. You're kidding. I wouldn't kid. Are you kidding? No, you Why would you kid? Suicide's a serious thing. Shit, I never lied to you before, have I? No. See? Actually, the laws vary from state to state. But suicide is legislated against in most of them. It's all in the appendix of my book. It's a dumb law. I agree with you. I think it is very presumptuous of them to tell a person how they can die, or even how they can live. It's a dumb law. It's a dumb law. Sane people make a lot of crazy rules. <laughs> Do you like me? Sure. Oh. Well, I mean, I don't know you very well. Ah, uh, you know all there is to know. Are you kidding? I'm very superficial. You said it. I know I said it. Leave me alone. <laughs>